Yeah, Jason is sad about this story because he was left out. But what had happened was one year at this conference, and it's the biggest conference in religion, theology, Bible, uh, we, a friend, a close friend of ours, Paul Nimmo, needed to suddenly come. He, he thought he wasn't going to make it. I think his wife was pregnant. I mean, it was their first child or something like this. Maybe he was about to be married. Some, something family-wise was keeping him. And so, but suddenly he could come, but the rooms were all booked. Never had a roommate. So I just said, hey, come grab a cot. You know, you can crash in my place. So the next year, he brings Lagavulin Distillers Edition, which, if you don't know Scotch, that's, I think it's ranked 97, 99 out of 100 on the, on the scale. It's like one of the best. And, of course, we, we like Scotch. We learned Scotch there in the bosom of England. And so I, at one point, said, I wanted to share the wealth. So I wasn't going to bring back a half-drunk bottle of Scotch to my wife, no matter how good it was. So I was like, hey, guys, just come by. You can, you know, we'll get enough guys we can finish it off. Just say, hey, guys, come by and try this out. you got to have it if you haven't had it before. And, of course, 12 people show up in a single. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we packed the room. Right? It was awesome. Yeah. Just the record, may I say it should have been 13. should have been 13. should have been Jason <laughs> yeah. there. Sorry about that. I don't know what. You're probably at a reception somewhere. You were either at a reception or a nice blot uh, having a wonderful dinner. Yes. Quite possibly, actually. He is Episcopalian yes. after all. <laughs> and so I just remember falling asleep and I woke up and people thought I had bought this because it's I think it's $100, $110 to buy it outright, which is not which is actually not horrible given no, how good it is. But it's not $100, $110 I had to spend. So people like had like rained money on me because I'd fallen asleep on the bed and I woke up. But then I was very happy because I had free money. How was the money? Did it did it cover would have co- covered the cost of the bottle? How much did you net? No, you guys are not that uh, generous. Not it was like 10% of the bottle. <laughs> like, here's a dollar. Thank you for the nice glass of scotch. Nice. But no, it was nice. It was, it was still nice that, that someone put money on me. And I'm going to guess you were the one that led the charge to throw it upon my chest while I was already asleep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a weird thing hanging out in a hotel room. We were, I remember we were kind of cramped and sitting on beds and kind of awkwardly sipping from plastic cups or yeah, something. Yeah, it was a plastic. We didn't have, like, scotch. There's no nice way for 12 grown men who are professors to sit in a small hotel room and drink scotch out of plastic cups. And it's just unseemly to pass the bottle around. <laughs> Swing <laughs> right out of the bottle. <laughs> what are we, Vikings? Come on. We're not Vikings. Yeah, that was great. So that that's the hi- highlight of my year. It's going to AAR. It is a bit like a reunion for most people. I think so. You know, I went early on... Um, out of obligation and I think I I don't think all of us were going every year or we didn't always connect up and it's one thing I've really learned is you need a tribe at AAR because they're with the Society of Biblical Literature SBL there's 10,000 people there and you just get so lost and especially when you realize everyone's looking for a job or you know desperate to make connections and things like it, it can kind of have a very gross undertone I think the tribe, that's a good point, Kevin. I think the tribe is actually really important to navigating AAR. I've been to a number of conferences like that, and I think my first couple of AARs were especially like that. And it's just very easy to be um, among all these people and yet be just entirely alone and feeling really miserable. Yeah, because what, what, why? Though? I mean, this is, this is always the, the psychology of it. Particularly when you're vulnerable, you're, you're almost done with the dissertation or you're done or you're newly employed especially, you have 10,000 people to walk around and wonder why they're doing it so much better than you are. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, oh, they have a job. And, and the truth is, most everyone feels the same way, the sense of, until you have that tribe, until you can relax, you feel this sense of, you know, why am I here? This, this is like a pressure cooker. And, and for, those of you, for those who are listening that don't know what this is, this is the American Academy of Religion, which 
if you can imagine, everything that falls under the branch of religion, it, you know, it's a quite of a big umbrella. And there's also that it meets jointly with the Society of Biblical Literature, which everything they can fit under biblical literature, from textual studies to archaeology to just everything, anything related to scriptural study, meeting jointly, and there are a lot of other sub-conferences as well. So, at, yeah, at its low ebb, it's probably six to 7,000, and that's usually if it's in a city no one wants to go to. <laughs> but if they pick, like, San Diego or San Francisco or something like that, if they pick Vancouver in the winter, no one really wants to go, let's be honest. Even though Vancouver's a lovely city, and I actually really liked it, but people think, ah, it's cold, I'd rather be in the south. But if they pick something nice, this year is what, San Antonio? Yes. You know, then it's warm, at least, so most people want to go there. Yeah, you'll have eight to 10,000 people. People. And it's, it's, it's just a, it's, it's Comic-Con for professors. It really is. <laughs> I mean, you know, you might as well be cosplay and celebrity sightings, because that's exactly what it feels like. And it is international, too, so it's misnamed. It's not just the American Academy. It's really international, but... They've never changed the name. So yeah. you've got people from all over the world. Yeah, and, and, and what it is is, it, is there's, a, there's a, a subcommittee or a paper on an, anything you might actually care about. But because there's 10,000 people, there's all kinds of things that are completely not in your field. So there's the you know, church history study group over here, meeting next to the Karl Barth study group, next to the Sri Lankan Buddhism group, next to the – and it just – it feels like, again, it's it's a large university with every potential study yeah. subject possible going on at once. There are a lot of things that you're not interested in, but the problem is there are also often a lot of things you are interested in. Yeah. And frustratingly, they're often scheduled over against each other, over against so you, each can't, other. you can't go to all the ones you even want to go to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the book that comes out that tells you all the papers you could, and events you could possibly go to, is what, like 400 pages? It's, it's like a small yellow pages. Yeah, it's like a yellow pages. It's that, that much stuff going on. And of course, usually, uh, always, there's a large room with every publisher and a display of not only books that they are currently selling, but even little pre-looks at books that are about to come out sometimes. And they're usually quite, they're as little as half, as much as I say, as much as half off sometimes, depending on the... If you, get, if you get the book, if you get them at the end and they don't want to lug it back to the publisher's uh, 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 headquarters, they'll sell it to you for cheap. But you can walk around. This is how you pitch books. You can speak to publishers, get to know the acquisitions editors. And mainly, though, mainly, you go to pubs at night. And receptions. <laughs> Crickets? Bueller? I've heard, I've heard, I've heard stories. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, but it's, it's, so it's, it's this strange brew of networking, both with people your own age at your own rank and level, people you knew in PhD world. So a lot of our Cambridge buddies are there. Colleagues from your institution that are also there joining you. So I've gotten to know one of Kevin's colleagues. But, you know, you get to know people that are colleagues of your friends. You get to meet new upcoming, you know, PhD students. And, you know, occasionally you meet the, the wizened old professor whose books you read when you were a plebe in, in undergrad. Which is a thrill, to be honest. It, yeah. Usually, it's 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 not as thrilling for them. <laughs> Let's be honest. Especially if you're kind of drooling and gawk, you know, gawking and asking oh them for autographs. Oh, I'm such a groupie. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help when you're at six a.m. knocking on their hotel door looking for an autograph. But don't do that. No, bad idea. Kevin, I know. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, there's a lot of fun, but. And, and it always meets, this is another important factor, it always meets the weekend before Thanksgiving, which is purposeful, because at least for those in education, that's, you're usually mostly off the following week, or you can at least cancel class, perhaps, the following week. 
uh, I, my school meets on the weekends, so I do have I can I can roll into a Thanksgiving week, but it always meets on those days. You go home on Tuesday into the 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 holidays, and so it's always meets then. Different city every time, but th- there are a lot of myths about this thing. I, I don't know about you guys, but I remember the first time or two I went, I was actually very uncomfortable there. I thought it was I thought it was very judgmental. Uh, I felt like the job circuit was was very poorly done, at least at the time. It felt like a, a meat market. Like, what was like, your first one? Um, I believe. I'm trying to think. I believe it was Vancouver. It was about the, it was it was quite late in the process. I never went during the Montreal, Montreal, or Vancouver. Montreal, not Vancouver. Yeah, Montreal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Montreal. Um, so, so that was two thousand nine. Nine. Yeah. Okay. Was right was, when I was finishing. What was your first one, Kevin? I think it might have been Montreal too. Yeah. Really? And so here I was, 2009. ABD, I had a final draft of the thesis. It was 80, 90% edited, ready to go. I, I knew I would submit. Didn't have a job. And here I was walking around, and half of us had jobs, half of us are still looking. No one knows how it's going to shake out. I mean, looking back, it does feel a bit silly to be so nervous, but how else are you going to know? It's the first time. And, and there's not a natural... Uh, organism for giving you advice about this stuff you're just kind of yeah. flailing it's like well i'm looking for a job where here <laughs> how uh i have will work for food on my on my shirt yeah. that's all i got <laughs> you know everything and I, and I and i i didn't have a paper to read and i thought publishers were intimidating i didn't want to talk to them it, it's just what every rookie probably feels at, at any environment uh, i'm glad i kept going back because that was the challenge and and it was when I started to I, the next year I was at my Viva. I was gone back to Cambridge to defend. But the year after is when we started to make sure that we always had a tribe. We were always getting together, always reconnecting because we're we're always going in different directions. But we made sure, hey, we actually are here for each other, and that this is part of the process, um, and that that started to really make it fun. I think that was um, I think it was San Francisco or Chicago, one of those times. It was really not. I, I did. I began to really enjoy it. It is, as Kevin said, it's, it's the it's the highlight of the academic year in many ways. Cool. Yeah, I had the same experience of feeling uh, very vulnerable and very awkward and 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 intimidated. So I, I think that's very very normal. And it just takes a while of going to figure out what works for you and um, finding the groups and the papers and the networks and. And a lot of it really is networking and finding out what's going on at different institutions and and what's interesting and what's being published and and what are scholars talking about and uh, get, sort of getting a pulse for the the academy. I think at its best, AAR the best way to start is to realize it's not a zero sum experience. So I remember in the flight over, and you you probably noticed this too. As soon as you get on that last leg to the city where it's happening on like a Thursday or Friday, 80% of your plane are AAR people. Yeah. Maybe it's, yeah. The, it's the patches on their jacket or the satchels. That you, can just, you can immediately tell. The geeky uh, things they're reading. Yeah, the geeky things they're reading. And, and they're all quietly not looking at each other. I remember sitting like one, behind, on a row behind somebody that was reading their, their paper softly to themselves out loud. I didn't have a paper to read, and I was wearing like just jeans and a t-shirt, and they were like wearing a bow tie, and I I felt so judged by them. I felt like they they had a one up on me, but but that's the instinct of everybody is your insecurity is always broadcast on to someone else. You need assume that they're very secure, 
And but the reality is, is the, the instinct of most rookies is to say, all right, I got to write, I got to give a big splash paper and take somebody out and show everybody that I'm a gladiator here to here to here to <laughs> compete. Or I have to elbow somebody out of the way to get a job and do these types of things. And what begins to happen is it's it's like the person at the singles bar that's desperately talking to every person that they want to maybe make a connection with. And what ends up happening, of course, is that doesn't work. You, you stink of desperation and you actually begin to lose potential friends and networks because you just seem so spastic. You seem so nervous about taking taking on the on the establishment. And yeah. sometimes it can become, it, it, it seems that you're even unclear who you are because you're trying so much to match up with all sorts of other people and and there's sort of no there there for you yeah. instead of saying, well, this is who I am and, you know. Yeah, that's right. And hey, Fout, that reminds me of another story. Remember we went to dinner with the, some guys from another institution and it was definitely, as as Ryan is saying, it was gladiator type where they, they wanted to draw blood. Oh, you mean those jerks from UVA? I'll go ahead and say it. UVA guys? Yeah, I said it. Come on. <laughs> Peter Kong, I know you're listening. Yeah, yeah we, we were going for pizza in Chicago and Peter <laughs> Peter was a friend. Peter was actually not one of the not one of the the principals, but uh, Peter knew these other guys and That's right. So what the six of us I think went went for pizza and you know, the way that Kevin, the way that you and I always do dinner at AR is it's just a time to sort of leave it behind and have a good time. Have some theological chat maybe, but you know, we're not posturing, we're not trying to score points. It's just it's just a good time to relax, to catch up, to you know, grow the relationship some, and, and enjoy some good food in a different city. And 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 these guys were sort of with us, but they just kept talking with each other, and they were sort of arguing with each other. And then the bill came, and we were all just going to kind of split it. And they're like, "No, I ordered this, and I ordered that. I didn't. I'm not going to pay for that." And and it just it was it seemed a real violation of the spirit of the whole enterprise, which is just. Let's get together and, uh, you know, enjoy a dinner yeah. and get to know each other. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was frustrating. That's the angriest I've ever seen Jason Fowl. I mean, he was just boiling. Yeah, break fellowship and especially over food and you'll see uh, 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 the Fowl uh, not abiding at that point. <laughs> he was not abiding. I was <laughs> he not broke that, character uh, at that moment. Yeah, that vein in my forehead was popping out. I was ready to draw blood. Were you there, Ryan? You weren't there, were I you? I was not there. I, I heard the, the story grew by the telling of it, though. So by the time I heard of it, Jason was uh, had, a, had a butter knife to the guy's throat and you know something was <laughs> going down. <laughs> you downgraded it actually from a steak knife, which it actually was. But in honesty, in honesty, uh, so you know, just in the interest of full disclosure, a I know one of the two guys now. He's a, a colleague in the field, and we get along well. And b both of them came up to me when they saw me the next day, independent of each other, and apologized for the previous night. And oh. so I, you know, that. You know that meant a lot to me, which is very um, interesting. And I, yeah. I actually don't know their names, which is why yeah, I can be, yeah. be coy about it. I don't know who they are, but I can only guess they were going through the exact same anxiety that everyone else is. I'm sure. Which sure, is, sure. is, is it, it just becomes competitive. It's this idea of I, I'm you just a little you, the inner crazy that comes out a bit because you're just not sure what to make of all this. I remember it, around the time of the Canada trip, I, I, I said to my father, I said I just finished a PhD at Cambridge. I'm not expecting to work at Harvard, but if I went to Harvard Law School, I would have a job. I feel like I'm I'm just a hair's breadth away from being unemployed and homeless, 
and I did a PhD in, in my field at the best school I could do it at. And I feel like I can't even get a basic job at this point. Looking back, of course, it was very, very silly because I was only three months waiting. Yeah. But it was this sense of, how do I find a job? I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I, yeah. I think it's a combination of a couple of things. First of all, we all of us suffer from imposter syndrome. Yes, right. This idea that we're all actually kind of fakes underneath and don't deserve to be here. or We're not as clever and you know, industrious as all these other people who are obviously, you know, just really brilliant and somehow we sneaked in. Right. Uh, and and the other, you know, so that's something we all have to contend with and just kind of get over. Yeah. Because uh, if you don't, you're going to kill yourself. You will, yeah. The other thing, though, is, uh, you know, just the reality of the job market, which is, it's really tight. It's not getting better. And all of us, frankly, do know people who are every bit as clever and industrious than us, or in some cases more so. Um, who haven't been successful getting jobs. Yeah. Um, it's not because they're not brilliant. It's not because they're not good scholars. Um, it's just the nature of the nature of the beast. That's right. The, the other type of person is, at least at this level, this beginning introductory level, is the, the they might be perfectly kind and generous interpersonally, but when they read that first paper, it's it's a lip and another thing. <laughs> like they just, they just they take some they try to take out somebody. Mm-hmm. Maybe that might be in the room. They just they, they they go for the jugular in one of these dismissive type papers, or they 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 take the Q and A session after their paper, even if their paper wasn't this way, as um, a, an assault on their dignity or on their quality. And they think I always liken this to: you think if you give a good paper and defend yourself adequately, there's going to be some metaphorical dean of the great school sitting there going. Quick, we have to get this person immediately. Yeah, you know, this is like going to Hollywood and sitting at a bar waiting for a producer to discover you. Right. Yeah, you know, it doesn't doesn't work this way. Right. Um, that often what can happen, it doesn't happen as often. It would take a while for you to develop this reputation. But a bad reputation of being combative and always dismissive is the opposite of what yeah. you need. You actually become someone that no one wants to work with because they think you're just not a good colleague. It's yeah. a it's a guild of 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 collegial men and women who work towards the same common thing. And there can be disagreements and even some feisty people. But, you know, you still have to work with people. And it's not that many people. Yeah. It's 10,000 people there, world. but your world is very small, actually. That's a good point. Uh, I hear Fout has a, a, what, a taxidermy of AAR types. And I'm curious to hear this. I think the word you're looking for, Kevin, is taxonomy. Yeah. Taxidermy is something different. Oh, yeah. Is, is that another Fraser Cream moment? <laughs> is that a... Is taxidermy the stuffing of animals? Exactly. <laughs> is that code for something? That's, I don't know. <laughs> uh, taxonomy. Taxonomy. There's a, there's a taxi uh, uh, something going on. A, a I'm in Stanley County. It's taxidermy, baby. So I've been thinking about this. I mean, so you guys, your first AAR was 2009 in Montreal. Mine was actually 2000 in Nashville. Uh, back when uh, Kevin was still wearing short pants. And, oh, man. Uh, you were watching uh, I just, Saved by the Bell or whatever. I graduated. Saved by the Bell is long gone. We were on the Friends. <laughs> but, uh, I was I was graduating college. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, so I've observed a lot of people at the AAR. And I've also observed myself in very different stages of my career at the AAR. And that first year I went, I was still a seminarian and kind of a graduate student, not even in a Ph.D. program. And... Uh, and you see a lot of, of people there like that. And, and a lot of the time they're going around in a little tribe of people from their program. And, you know, they're, you know you'll see them sort of uh, acting a little sophomoric sometimes. 
but also they're really kind of desperate just to get an introduction to someone who's in a PhD program so that they can then go on to the next step. Yeah. And there can be, again, almost this kind of sense of desperation because if the people who are actually doing the PhDs have an imposter syndrome, yeah. I mean, the people who aren't even yet there are even worse. It's like... Yeah, it feels like a double whammy. Yeah, so, you know... Some personalities might might rise above and be the the person who isn't intimidated and go for it, and that's very encouraging. But yeah. I would say the vast majority of people, yeah. Because um, yeah, a close friend of ours uh, came and... Uh, one year and was in, in particular there to, to, to interview with a potential academic advisor who is now his current PhD advisor, friend of ours as well. And I would say he had imposter syndrome, but but he did feel, he did say to me a few times, you know, that this is annoying because you guys are all my age and you're done and, and yeah. either applying for jobs and stuff. And yeah. he's at the first stage. And, yeah. and that's normal because he actually, he wasn't too old by any means to start a PhD. But, uh, you know, this happens so very often. You, you, you feel as if you're inadequate if, because of X, Y, and Z. And it's, it's just the nature of the beast. It, it really does stink. That's absolutely right. Yeah. We so, almost wish we had an actual guild with, like, a handshake that you can know you're in. You know, like, oh, do, you're, you're wait, fir- the first time you, you get blooded. After that, uh, we, we, we brand you. And then, and then we give you the handshake, and then you're in. So congratulations. Did they not uh, give you the handshake plan? Uh, never mind. Wait, I've already said too much. <laughs> um, so that was that's sort of the first stage. I yeah, mean, you know, stage, you're sort yeah. of sophomoric. You're just yeah. trying desperately to get in somewhere to be able to go on and, and do this thing. And you see, you know, th- these sorts of people all around. And sometimes they're the ones, you know, uh, running off of the mouth and referring to things they've never read. Um, but a lot of the time they're just really kind of meek and trying desperately to, to fit in. Yeah. Uh, and then next is the PhD students, uh, whether they're ABD or yeah. even before that or whatever. They're the ones with the rings around their eyes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm just desperately trying to trying to find their place there. Um, and if they're, if you're ABD especially, you're often going through, as you said, the meat market of trying to find a job, any job. Yeah. Um, and so you're trying, you know, to make connections with people, not to toady up too much, but but actually to toady up enough. Yeah. Uh, and, exactly. you know, you're nervous yeah. if you've got interviews. You're even more nervous if you don't have interviews and it hasn't worked out. Yeah. Um, you know, you've sent off 100 CVs and letters of interest. You know, you've gotten two calls and no follow-ups. Yeah, that's like joining Match.com and it says you have no matches. Yes, that's point. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and and sometimes for multiple years in a row. Exactly, yeah. Right. yeah. Nobody um, wants to go on a date. Yeah, you even upgraded the premium membership. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it just I've said, already said too much. It said double, <laughs> double dollars. Yeah, exactly. Um, Farmersonly.com. That's right. <laughs> you don't have to be lonely. <laughs> but I am. <laughs> so lonely. <laughs> you, you know, the, the, the song isn't a showstopper, but it does slow it down a whole bunch. <laughs> The, the third is, you know, the early career scholar trying to make a name for him or herself. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, giving the papers. The, the ABD person is also desperately trying to give papers. But once you're that early career scholar, though, you also kind of settle in a little bit. You've got your tribe, and it becomes um, a place where you can reconnect with friends from your PhD program. You can have sort of some life-giving relationships there because you get to get away from your institution yeah. and compare notes with colleagues and friends from other places. Yeah. It can be 
it can be fairly relaxing. Yeah, the and institution it, is now the thing sucking the life out of you, not the AAR. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. And and it's interesting because before, where you were looking for the cutting edge books in the in the field, now you're in the bookstalls. Now you just need a drink. Well, well, that that, that too. Yeah. But but you're looking for the cutting edge books in the in the field, but you're also looking for the introductory works that you can actually give to your students. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so that's then good. suddenly you start accumulating introductory works, and then you move on, and there are sort of three categories you move into after that. And one is the seasoned scholar, the person who maybe does or doesn't go to AAR all the time, but, you know, doesn't seem to sort of really draw any life from it, but, you know, is asked back to do this or that. And it's just, you know, there as a senior figure in the field. But usually instead of coming at the very beginning and leaving at the very end, they'll pop in for a couple of days to chair this panel session to you know, see one friend, and then they need to get back to something. Yeah, they're telling you when their flight to the airport is out, and it's usually like Saturday, yeah. when most people are saying till Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah. 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 Uh, so there's the senior scholar, there's the conventioneer, the sort of person who's just sort of made a living out of going to AR and get so much life out of it. They go to all the sessions, you know, they're doing all sorts of things. They're really involved and they maybe even feel duty bound to, to, to do so yeah. uh, because, you know, the field. Yeah, um, the people that metaphorically on their briefcase have like a sticker for every city they've been to yeah, that they right. are. That's right. Exactly. And then the, the third is the vacationer. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, sometimes they bring the, you know, the family along with and the family does things during the day or whatever. But a lot <laughs> or of the they time, do things during the day. Or they do things during the day. And, you know, going to all the sessions or a lot of the sessions or the sessions might not be the primary. Why are you looking at me when you're saying this? Uh, I was wondering why you were looking at me, Mr. Reeves. <laughs> Um, so, you know, you, 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 you I just love the San Francisco bridge. I wanted to go climb it. All right. Yes, but most people do it fully clothed. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Oh. No, at the vacation area, you're right. There's the person who's just like, man, I never thought I'd get to come to this city. Yeah, and, right. And you're like, San Antonio, right. San Francisco. All right, area. I'll see you Monday at the reception. I'm gone, you know, we're going golfing, that kind of thing. And the other day, actually, I realized my wife and I have been married 21 years, and I've been to the West Coast like a half a dozen times. She has never been to the West Coast. She's never been to watch the Rockies. That is one of the things where we quietly, you don't lie to your wife when you come back, but you definitely don't embellish just how good it was to have God to, you know, a wonderful city and see your old friends and things. Exactly. Well, it was long, you know. Yeah. A lot, uh, lot, of, <laughs> lot, lot of stuff happened. It was a but, meat market, you know. We just stayed in time. Did you do anything? No, no, I didn't know. Yeah, Not much. No. Uh, well, maybe one or two things. I saw Taylor. He had an iron shirt that he was wearing. You know, it was, it was, awesome. it was good. It, and it is painful for, for our spouses because they're just as much friends as we are. Yeah. And, and we get the reunion factor that's sometimes subsidized by our institutions because yes. we're going. Yeah, but it's not easy, particularly with kids, to, 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 to both of you to get away. Right. Yeah, but, but they, they, they miss out on the reunion, which was... Uh, Bonnie Zoll one time had, several years ago, hashtag AAR widows. So there's a, there's a joke somewhere on the internet about being an AAR widow when your spouse is at AAR. Yeah, and it would actually be... I, I'm trying to not become the vacationer, but I can understand how empty nest. So then it's like, hey, honey, well, yeah, come along. Exactly. The problem is that she would find it entirely boring. Ninety um, percent of what we're doing, uh, well, e even walking around the bookstall, she's you know that kind of thing. And it would probably be less fun for her to go do things solo without me. Well, that's the thing, though. We have to actually arrange it 
to have the spouses come along. Yeah. And then they can hang out during the day doing fun things. Yeah, because you can't have just one. You can't just have one spouse. If one if yeah. one is all in, he's he's leveraging all of his other other. That's right. right. You bring your wife too, because you know we're exactly. There's a pact there. I'm not bringing mine if you don't bring yours. <laughs> That's right. Well, honey, who's Jason going to room with if Kevin? Exactly. I hope she's not listening to this, my wife, right now. She doesn't usually listen, does she? No, she doesn't. Actually, she does. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> she does. Yeah. Well, and, and AAR is something I think we would all commend. Yes. Um, at any stage of, the, of, of that those careers. Obviously, we don't have to tell the senior scholar or anyone beyond really the the the. the the new scholar, the one with the job. What would be nice is if there was some APB that went out to everyone pre-first job that says, look, we, we want you here. Often if we feel aloof to you, this is my case, it's, it's if you're exhibiting a lot of anxiety, I'm not going to walk up and just like press the flush with you because I almost feel like I would make you feel worse. So what are you doing? Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Are you in a PhD? No. Oh, sorry. You want to have a drink? Like you know, yeah, the thing. Yeah. And you never want you never want to make someone feel more awkward. So what, it's almost one of those like POW stories. Like you never ask like, so what happened to you in the mm-hmm. internment camp? You never go walk up to somebody and say, so how was the interview? <laughs> you, you if they want to tell you how the interview went, uh, they'll tell you. Yeah. But you just don't. You never rub that salt in the wound. Like, not, not that you, it would be considered that, but. You know, you can only imagine if you have eight or nine friends there and you, the interview did not go well, you're going to have eight or nine people say, to, to, to say, yeah, sorry, it was awful. Um, but the thing is, is, you are wanted there. It is a guild. There, no one's really out to get you. It's just, it, it can feel like everyone's all about themselves there and they're not really, there, there's no place for you to feel like you have space or breathing room. But you do. You actually do. One of the things I think that really clicked for me uh, and I tell my my students that are either beginning PhDs or, or hopeful for PhD, the thing you need to focus on more, I said, is lateral networking, not up the ch- food chain networking. That's exactly right. Yeah, the senior scholar, you might meet them, and you might thank them for the book, you might ask a question, but they're going to forget you five seconds later because they're talking to all kinds of people, and particularly if they're close to retirement. They're, they're not thinking about you long term. However... You're net laterally networking with all people within a certain range, whether it's age range or experience level, that one day are going to have jobs and have book contracts and things. And you're going to have colleagues that you can kind of get to know well before they move on to do something big. Then you're already on a first name basis. You get to ask them questions. They become people for advice. I mean, in my case, this is Paul Nimmo. I mean, Nemo was just Nemo. He was just hanging around Cambridge, eating a banana every day for lunch. You remember he always had the banana. He'd always eat it like a. He'd always eat it like a monkey too. He'd peel it, and the the flaps would be over his fist, and he would eat the banana. Um, but he was just Nemo. You know, he'd, he'd come over for the Reformation reading group in my flat, and we'd talk. And then he went on to you know had a great deal of success, and he's now at Aberdeen. But along the way, I was able to say, so how would I? How would if I'm applying for this? What do you think? Uh, just my book contract that I just got with Baker. I sent him a proposal. I said, how does this look? And, but I have the freedom to do that. And he has the freedom to be honest with me. Oh, I wouldn't do this. I'd do it this way. Because we were friends, I laterally got to know him in a networking capacity before any of us ever had jobs that were doing these things. I think that's vitally important for people. Yeah, because often you see them as competition when really they ought to be the closest colleagues yes. to you. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, you know each other as friends. You're not sort of using him. He's not using you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a trust there. 
So yeah, we've got a great group and um, I enjoy, always enjoy seeing everyone and, and the group often changes. I like how there's kind of a, it's sort of an open enrollment as long as you're vetted. Sort of if you know someone brings you to the group, then you're in. Like that's all you need. And that's cool because the group has shifted over the years. That's right. And it's, it's grown and shrunk. Yeah. And, you know, not everyone can make everything, that kind of a thing. Yeah. It, and it, you're right. There, there, it's it actually, that's actually very interesting when you, when you develop that core group of people. It, it does, it's, it's it, you know, it's it's like anything. It keeps growing that culture. Yeah. So there have been all kinds of people that have suddenly shown up that we're like, who's that? Oh, that's the friend of the friend of the friend or something. That's right. yeah. And you're like, cool, that's great. Yeah. This is wonderful. And you get to know all kinds of people at different institutions. And, and you you suddenly feel walking through the floor that you're bound to run into at least one person you know because you've done a lot of that work. They might not begin, might not be the senior scholar, but you're going to bump into all these people. And then it feels like it's a high school reunion on some level. You haven't seen him in, in a year, now you're back. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I've had a funny experience too, um, because, I mean, you know, all three of us went to Cambridge. I, and I don't, I don't know how you guys have felt about it, but I, I, I felt very clearly like having come to that program I've sort of instantly become friends and colleagues with people who went through the program five to ten years before I did. And, and even several after, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and years after. I mean, you know, I know people there now who are finishing who I never knew when I was there because they didn't arrive until after I had left. That's right. But it's sort of this instant bond of, you know, yeah. oh, yeah, okay. Like Javier Garcia is a good friend. He's now sure. at uh, George Fox working under Joe Fish, another one of our, our Cambridge guys that was there for a year. And I'm, I... We were like, we weren't even, I think I missed him by two years. And he only just finished, and now he's at George Fox doing well. But I, and he's a close friend, and I see him every year, and we're, you know, we're on a hug basis. It's a buddy, you know, that kind of thing. It's not just a, how are you? Yes, yeah. I'm good. Yes, yeah, work is good. Great, bye. You know, none, none of that. But I've only known him, you're right, because peop, it, it's like this weird legacy lineage thing. It's, it's like a, a, a family tree that you're a part of. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously, I can't compare it to other institutions, but it's felt to me really kind of special. Like, yeah. you know, you're part of this, you know, extended family. Yeah. And, and in part, it, I think that's one of the first things that calmed me down was the sense of, you know, particularly when you first get there on a Friday night, the, the people you're hanging out with first are not the people you have to act prim and proper around. You can make silly jokes. You can laugh about the, the time Kevin threw money on me when I was drinking scotch. You know, you can, you can go there. And because there are other settings where you have to be the prim and proper, or at least the 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 little a little more sophisticated than we want to be. <laughs> where uh, apparently hard experience has taught us we it's proper to wear a shirt at least, at least somewhat. Yeah, it was San Diego, Jason. I I I wanted to go shirtless. You did wear that lay, so I mean, you know, put, you know, credit where credits due. <laughs> that would be great. Just walk around with a lay and, the, you know, dress pants. <laughs> that would be interesting. No, there really is a culture among our friends and I think our our institution that was collegial and serious and fun. And there are other places that are much more competitive or cutthroat or maybe not as serious. And, and it really was a unique blend. And I don't know if Cambridge always has that. It may have just been our group to some degree, but it, it's a very interesting, tolerant, um, but thoughtful group that I've really come to One of the interesting things about Cambridge is no matter how much you're in a similar field, you're not doing anything close to the next person. Um, so even if you're in dogmatics, like you guys were, 
In my case, I was the only historical theologian there four years on either side of me, uh, basically. Um, so I just hung out with the dogmatics guys. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but but even, I mean, so let's it, take the two of you, Jason and Kevin. Uh, you both still worked on von Balthasar, and yet you're... Yeah, but but your but the where you were taking it, the angles were were pretty dramatically different. That's true. So in some ways, you can't compare apples and oranges. So the need to do that is is much much less. Also, Cambridge has far fewer of the things you're going to compete for, like yeah. TA ships or you know teaching the one on one classes, those types of things that other PhD programs might certainly have. So it's just hey, so how was your time in the library today? Yeah, sucked. How about yours? Yeah, same. Anyone get a beer? Sure. Uh, that and there's not as much opportunity for that cutthroat. I don't think. Well, and actually, it was it was really interesting because um, it's maybe a little different than that. Uh, I mean, my recollection of some of the conversations that Kevin and I had, because we were working on different things, but we were reading some similar things, yeah. was actually much more like trying to explore a subject together and okay. you know, bringing little different perspectives to it and. But, I mean, I remember some very rich con and productive conversations that, I mean, you know, Kevin and I had that helped me to think about my topic uh, differently and better. We did occasionally find you two yelling at each other, crying, and pulling each other's hair, though. Yeah, yes. but that's only because Kevin <laughs> left the iron on on that cotton shirt of mine. <laughs> and then he sharpied all my notes, so I had to rewrite everything. Not cool. That's right. Well, you weren't taking them in German. Frau Jeans was very disappointed. <laughs> Uh, those were fun times. Yeah, no, it was. You're you're absolutely right that there was this conversation that was not competitive. We weren't taking classes. We weren't trying to suck up to the same people. We we kind of had different people to suck up to, but um, we had similar interests. But we were all kind of sort of parallel work. What do they say with kids? Parallel play. Yeah, we're kind of parallel playing. Yeah, that, that, I think that that that's that's kind of at least the the the, the sense that I was trying to describe earlier. Yeah, you're. Parallel playing together, yeah. Um, and so in my case, Reformation research, Anglican studies, well, obviously Jason is an Anglican, and others as systematicians, they care about the theology of the Reformation. So I've, there was a lot of interest in people who wanted to talk about my field. In fact, we had this Reformation reading group in part because, not that I led it, but in the sense that we all shared that. And here I was technically the only person studying the Reformation. Uh, and so as a result, what you have are these, these, and, and I will say that reading group is probably the thing where I learned the most at Cambridge because I got to watch real serious systematicians work through conversations um, in a way that wasn't merely historical theology, but pushed towards a dogmatic uh, angle. And they could, yeah, so I learned countless amounts of things about Luther and Lutheran understandings of the law, all this stuff from hanging out with Simeon and other things from Nemo and other, all those folks. Occasionally from Kevin, but but you're right. It's that sense of of of, of parallel interests, but not competing interests. Yeah. To like us on Facebooks and iTunes, and safe travels to Fout, and hopefully it'd be a great time at AAR. And gosh, a month or so. <laughs>